We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. On today's show, I'd like to discuss the definition of a word. Because words matter and definitions matter. And today's word of the day is evangel. One more time, evangel. What does the word mean and how has the evangelical church abandoned this very definition. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. The word for the day is evangel. One more time, evangel. Now, what does this word mean? It's the root word to evangelical or evangelicalism or evangelical Christian. Evangel is the root word to evangelical. And that's the word I want to discuss today. I've done it before. We've touched on this topic in the past, but there are a couple stories in the news recently that should cause all of you to raise an eyebrow. Even if you don't call yourself an evangelical Christian, you should care about these stories because words matter and the definition of words matter. And if we don't have any cohesive, commonly understood definition of the words we use, then we can't communicate. It's nothing but gibberish. Nothing we say will make any sense. I could not communicate with you right now, and you could not refute me or disagree with me right now if we don't define our words and if we don't hold a common understanding as to what those words mean. This is why I make a big deal all of the time on this show about the prophet Isaiah's warning, where he said, Woe unto them who call evil good and good evil, bitter sweet and sweet bitter. I've said over and over again, if you don't understand the definition of evil, nothing is evil. If you don't understand the definition of good, nothing is good. You have to define these terms. You have to agree on the definition of these terms. Otherwise, it all digresses to nothing but power and politics. And the person with the biggest stick, the person who has the power at this given moment, will be the person who dictates all else. It will be his definitions that matter. He will define what's good and what's evil. He will define what's right and what's wrong. He will define what's male and female. He will define everything. He will define what's science and what is anti-science. He will define everything for everyone else because power will trump all. And that is arguably where we are today. And the church should be leading the way in fighting against such um, subjectivism, such uh, rule of opinions rather than the rule of law. The elevations, excuse me, the elevation of feelings over facts. But no, 
the church has lost its way. And the evangelical church, a church that I have defended and been part of and embraced, and uh, it's been my home. It's been my home since I was a boy. The evangelical church is now so lost that this article I'm going to share with you from the New York Times should stun all of you. It should stun everybody. Let's take a break and thank our sponsors. And when I get back, I'm going to start out with the New York Times piece on evangelicals and how evangelicals now includes Muslims and Hindus. I'm not, I'm not kidding. That's what they're now saying in the New York Times. That evangelical Christians now includes Muslims and Hindus and a variety of other religions. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So the story in the New York Times is the one that catches my attention right now. Uh, it's crazy. <laughs> it's dated October 26, 2021. It's a guest essay. It's an opinion piece written for the New York Times, and it's titled, Why Evangelical is Becoming Another Word for Republican. Now, right off the bat, I'm suspicious that the person writing this piece has a bone to pick with conservatives, with Republicans, if you will. And I do think that that's the underlying theme of this article. But set that aside. Set his bias aside and the fact that he's trying to take a shot at conservative politics and people who dared to vote for Orange Man Bad, people who dared to vote for the higher, excuse me, the covenant versus the hierarchy, for the covenantal controls, for the covenantal boundaries of our Constitution, rather than the hierarchical mandates of the Democrat Party. Anybody who dared to say, well, you know, I don't like the way Donald Trump behaves on Twitter, but at least he's protecting my constitutional freedom. Anybody who says that is somehow, uh, I guess, a domestic terrorist today. At least that's the argument that the National School Board Association is now attempting to make, that if you say those things at a school board meeting, you should be investigated by the FBI and uh, and uh, perhaps even jailed for domestic terrorism and threats. And as you know, that's not hyperbole. They've actually written a letter to the President of the United States arguing that. That's another story. I've already covered it, so I won't belabor it. But here's this story from Ryan Burge. He's an assistant professor of political science at Eastern Illinois University, and he's a Baptist pastor. It says he's written extensively about the interaction of religion and politics. He says in this piece that the conventional wisdom about religion in the United States is that the number of people who have no religious affiliation is rising rapidly. In the 1970s, secular Americans, often called nuns, made up just 5% of the population. Now that number has climbed to at least 30%. The data suggests that religious groups must be suffering tremendously, and they must be suffering as the result of the nuns who continue to increase in size and influence each year. Well, he goes on to challenge that. He essentially says that the category of evangelicals is climbing and climbing dramatically. Now, keep in mind that this is a Baptist pastor writing this piece. He says, and I kid you not, he says, first, 
It is that many Americans who have begun to embrace the evangelical identity are people who hardly ever attend religious services. Okay. For instance, in 2008, just 16% of all self-identified evangelicals reported their church attendance as never or seldom. But in 2020, that number jumped to 27%. Okay, so far, so good. In 2008, about a third of evangelicals who never attended church said they were politically conservative. By 2019, that had risen to 50%. So his argument is that evangelicalism is on the rise. It's not on the decline. He goes into this. The Pew Research Center reinforces that those who had warmer views of Mr. Trump were more likely to become evangelical between 2016 and 2020 than those who didn't feel warmly toward him. Okay, so evangelicals leaned toward Trump. That's not earth-shattering news. We all knew that because, generally speaking, evangelicals believe in freedom. Freedom to choose your relationship with God. Freedom to um, express your religious liberty and to live your religious views freely within American culture. That's not surprising. Here's the thing, though. Listen to this. A second factor bolstering evangelicalism on the surveys is that more people are embracing the label who have no attachment to Protestant Christianity. Hmm. Now that should cause you to raise an eyebrow. If you know anything about the word evangel, you ought to raise an eyebrow if somebody says evangelicalism is on the rise because it has no attachment to Protestant Christianity. The word evangel, people, means this, the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that you must be born again, the good news that you find in Romans, for example, Paul's letter to the first century church in Rome. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Actually, that's from 2 Corinthians, Paul's letter to the Corinthians. But again, back to the book of Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That's Romans 6.23. For All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. But God shows his love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, Romans 5.8. This is the Romans road. This is the evangel. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the good news of Christ. This is the definition of evangel. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. 1 John 1, 9. Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out. Acts 3, 19. It's for grace, excuse me, it's by grace that you've been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It's not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not the result of works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Romans 10, 9. Everything I just rattled off to you 
the Romans road with a couple other verses thrown in there. That's the evangel. That's the good news of the gospel. Essentially, it's John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. That's the good news. How can you not be a Christian? How can you not be a Protestant Christian? How can you not be an Orthodox Christian and be an evangelical? Wouldn't you suggest that the two are hand in glove? Well, this man, a Baptist pastor's article actually says the second factor bolstering evangelicalism on surveys is that more people are embracing the label who have no attachment to Protestant Christianity. He says this, it appears that Muslims, (laughs) he says this, he says that Muslims are embracing evangelicalism and evangelical identity. No, that's not a reference to conversion to Christ. It's a reference to their politics in this man's view. He says, in fact, there's evidence that the share of Orthodox Christians, Hindus, and members of the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints who identify as evangelical is larger today than it was just a decade ago, as well as with Muslims. Now, stop and think about what he just said. Muslims, Hindus, Mormons, you follow me? Are identifying as evangelical in large numbers, larger numbers today than they did a decade ago. Why would anybody who's a Muslim identify with those Bible verses that I just shared with you? If they do identify with those, if they do embrace that message, if they have confessed their sins to Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, if they have been born again, as Jesus says we must be, then they are no longer Muslim. They are Christian. Correct? Wouldn't you say that that is a self-evident truth? Wouldn't you say that goes hand in glove with the definition of evangel, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ? Well, apparently not. This article suggests that the ranks of evangelicals, evangelicals are rising because Muslims, Hindus, Mormons, and others are embracing the values of the Republican Party. Therefore, the ranks of evangelicals is on the rise. It causes my head to spin. I mean, this is just, nothing means, uh, nothing from nothing means nothing. You got to have something. The old 1970s rock anthem. You got to have something if you want to be with me. I mean, if, if, if it were Jesus saying those words, nothing from, I'm not suggesting it is, by the way. But there's a truth in that old 19. 19- 70s song. Nothing from nothing means nothing. You got to have something if you want to be with me. You got to have something. You got to have some definition. Nothing from nothing is nothing. You've got to have a definition if you want to be in a relationship with anybody, and especially if you want that relationship to be with God. That's the message of the even 
of the evangel, of evangelism, of evangelicalism. An evangelist used to be somebody who would come in and share the good news at your church. Now I guess it's just uh, anybody who wants to come in and wave the banner of another religion, but yet preach conservative politics? Now, I'm a conservative. I believe that my Christianity calls upon me to conserve the time-tested truths that have been proven throughout the course of history to work, to work for human freedom, human dignity, and human salvation. That's what makes me a conservative. I conserve those things. I defend those things. I'm not going to abandon those things to every whim of political correctness and wokeism. But the thing that drives my conservatism is the conservation of objective definitions. And I'm going to start with the definition of the gospel, the good news. Again, the evangel. You know, there's another story going on right now that's a church story that you might find interesting. Uh, it, there was a tweet that was just posted by the Student Government Association from Treveca Nazarene University. Now, Treveca Nazarene University is a Nazarene school, Nazarene College in Nashville, Tennessee. It's part of the Council for Christian Colleges and Universities. It defines its, itself as an evangelical Christian college, a college, a university of the Nazarene Church. The Nazarene Church is a historical a uh, holiness church, a church that believes in being set apart for holiness unto the Lord, very much like a Wesleyan church. It would be uh, one of the grandchildren children of John and Charles Wesley's Methodist movement of the mid-1700s in Great Britain. And I've told you before what that all means. The Methodist movement was a movement of the methods, the habits, the disciplines of holy living. In other words, practice what you preach. Be men and women set apart for holiness, obedient, sacrificial, biblical living unto your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. In other words, if you believe the Bible, then behave like the Bible tells you to behave. Well, Trevecca Nazarene University, being one of the universities within the Nazarene family of schools, just posted this, or at least their Student Government Association just posted this tweet. And I want to pick it apart as we go through the rest of the show. Now, I want to remind you that I know as a college president, as a former university president, I want you, I want you to understand that I understand what a Student Government Association is. It's an officially sanctioned organization within the university. The Student Government Association of Trevecca Nazarene is officially sanctioned by the university. This is not a standalone organization or group. What they say has been has been said underneath the banner of the university. Now, that doesn't mean the university can't correct the student government organization, but it does mean that this is not um, this is not a, a standalone group, a group that uh, has no uh, supervision from the university. In fact, the Student Government Association has an advisor, a faculty advisor, or somebody that works with it to make sure 
that the students that are involved in student government are learning the things that that university wants them to learn and saying the things that the university wants them to say. Here's what this Student Government Association of Treveca, Nazarene University, posted this week. As SGA, that's the acronym for Student Government Association, we want you all to know that you are seen and heard. We want everyone to know that they belong and that this campus will always be a safe place for you. To the LGBTQIA and Treveca community, you are heard, you are loved, and you matter. And then they say this, In this house, we believe, and they have six emojis. And I want to say it again here. In this house, we believe, and they have the black uprised fist, the Marxist fist. Black lives matter. In this house, we believe, and they have an emoji with a rainbow-colored heart with the transgendered symbol within the center of the heart. So it says, in this house, we believe Black Lives Matter, uprise black fist, rainbow-colored heart with the transgendered symbol therein, love is love, and then they have a globe, science is real, and then they have a um, female icon, the traditional female icon, and below it, it says, feminism is for everyone, and then they have a rainbow-colored oval, And under that, it says, no human is illegal. And then they have kindness is everything with a hand, an emoji of a hand with a rainbow-colored heart on the palm of it. So I want to repeat what Trevecca Nazarene University just posted. Its Student Government Association just posted. And I want you to think about the definition of evangelical Christian education, the evangel, the definition of what it means to be an evangelical Christian. Again, as SGA, Student Government Association, we want you all to know that you are seen and heard. We want everyone to know that they belong and that this campus will always be a safe place for you. To the LGBTQIA plus and Treveca community, you are heard and you are loved and you mattered. In this house, we believe that black lives matter. Love is love. Science is real. Feminism is for everyone. No human is illegal. And kindness is everything. With the emojis that I just described. Now, do you have difficulty with that? Again, this is under the banner of evangelical. The evangel, the good news. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life through Jesus Christ. Why in the world would an evangelical Christian college be promoting Marxism with the black uprised fist? That's the Marxist fist. I've gone over it with you before in the show. You can go all the way back to Lenin and the Bolshevik Revolution. That's where that fist is first seen. Love is love. 
Are they too stupid to understand that love and sex are not synonymous and just because you want to have sex with somebody doesn't mean you love them? That love and sex are not synonymous and that you love a lot of people that you choose not to have sex with? Apparently not. So they're promoting the Bolshevik Revolution and Marxist overthrow with the Black Lives Matter fist. They're promoting the conflation of love and sex and the confusion that comes with the trans and the LGBTQ narrative, and that your sexual involvement, your sexual choices are the sum total of what it means to love someone. Apparently, you can't love people that you choose not to have sex with. They're suggesting that science is real and that if you have any reason to challenge the flat-earther mentality of AOC or anybody else that's pushing the Green New Deal and the devastation that it will cause to the entire world and the entire human race that somehow you're a science denier. And they do that while at the same time they deny in the previous emoji, love is love, the very reality of the biological difference between men and women. They suggest that feminism is for everyone while they deny the feminine. You can't be a feminist if you deny the female. If the woman isn't real, then there is no such thing as feminism. If there is no such thing as a female, then forget about feminism. And if you don't see the proof of that in spades in the daily news, just think again about the loss of female sports. Everything that we fought for that led to Title IX is now being lost in the blink of an eye because Feminism apparently isn't for the female, so I guess it can't be for everyone, can it? I guess this rainbow oval that they've got here, the emoji that says no human is illegal, is somehow a shot at having definable borders and defending those borders. Well, then they ought to start challenging the fact that we're now paying nearly half a million dollars to have a wall constructed around Biden's summer home in New England. I guess his borders aren't that bad if it's around some liberal president's home. And then kindness is, is everything? No, kindness isn't everything. When you speak the truth with grace and love, you're not just being nice to people. In fact, love is not synonymous with niceness. The Lord disciplines those he loves. He isn't nice and kind when we are rebelling. He will judge us at the end of days. So people, the definition of evangel is the good news of the gospel. And if you deny the reality of human sin and the need for all of us to confess that sin, if you deny the fact that the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through only one person, Jesus Christ our Lord, if you somehow conflate into this radical syncretism that Muslims and Hindus and other religions that are antithetical to the gospel of Christ can be evangelicals? I have this to suggest. You've lost your ever-loving mind, and you've lost the very definition of the Word. The Word made flesh and dwelling among us. There's a reason Jesus defines himself as the Alpha and the Omega, as an alphabet. And dare I suggest the reason he does that is because words matter. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.